You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. This podcast is made possible by the Made in Oklahoma program, created for Oklahoma's entrepreneurs. Their free-to-join program focuses on economic growth and development for the small businesses who grow, process, or manufacture a good within Oklahoma. Retail stores who sell Made in Oklahoma products can also benefit from their program. Above all, they encourage you to support and shop local wherever possible. Find them on Facebook and visit their website at www.madeinoklahoma.net to learn more. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Today's episode is with Melissa Wedman from Molly Coddle Hashlinger. Uh, Molly Coddle Hashlinger is a non-chocolate artisan candy company that focuses on using locally sourced ingredients and supports small businesses across the U.S. through supply chain. Uh, I'm a huge fan of caramel and toffee, and this company just speaks to me. So caramels and toffee is their primary confection right now. They have a lot more uh, products in the works, just waiting for those to drop. Uh, Super excited about those. As I said, huge fan of toffee and caramel. Uh, It's just the caramel, I guess, as you guys say, but it's just the best candy out there. Uh, and these guys use a lot of local ingredients, so it just makes it even better. Their products are offered in retail locations across the state and across the country, and you can buy from their website, which I'll post in the link below. Uh, pop-up shops and vendor events they're also at, although their products are offered through various direct consumer channels, their main focus is to serve other businesses through customer retention corporate gifting program. So if you're a corporate business, you want to send a custom gift that's a little bit better than just a pen or a bag or a gift card, send them a Made in Oklahoma product like this. Uh, their complete story and background can be found on their website, and you can find everything else that you need to know on the website at www.mollycoddlehashlinger.net. And let's get into today's story with Melissa Wedman. I am in War Acres today. I don't think War Acres gets enough love. It's basically in by Bethany and Oklahoma City. <laughs> it's a tiny little city. But I'm here today with Melissa Wedman, who has a very cool candy company um, that's... I mean, we're going to learn a lot about it today, but thankfully she's brought me some and I am super excited to dive into it because I absolutely love toffee and I love caramel. <laughs> and I know you guys listening say caramel, but there's an extra A in there. It's caramel. I get a lot of lot of crap for that from everyone out here. <laughs> Back home, we say caramel. Um, but Melissa's company, and I'm going to get this right, uh, Molly Coddle Hash Slinger. You got it. Ha- I mean, first of all, welcome to the podcast, <laughs> but... <laughs> How did you get to that? What is that name? Kind of a funny story. We get that question a lot. Um, And honestly, some uh, business professionals have told us we should change our (laughs) business name. But I'm a pretty stubborn country gal, and um, it's just not going to be changed. But it means spoiled chef in short. Um, Back when food blogs were a thing, I had a food blog, and that was my domain. And this accidental start of the candy company... um, kind of went down a rabbit hole we never thought would happen mm-hmm. and I already owned the domain so it just kind of stuck why spend more money if you didn't need to but yeah. um, we got to that fork in the road of do we change it do we not and our customers kept saying no absolutely not so it stuck yeah so molly coddle is like a kind of spoiled spoiled, spoiled or pampered or yeah and then the hash slinger is, is yeah. the chef yeah and That's surprisingly cool. enough google adwords likes to kick us back they think we're a marijuana company <laughs> <laughs> and and I do get a lot of requests for the edible industry to make candy for them, and that is not who we are. So not that not is, a route you've gone I, down I'm not yet. saying it's a bad industry. I'm just yeah. saying that's not who we are. That's a whole yeah, different well, world. That's, so that's, that you're right. That is a crazy industry right now, yeah. and it's. I think, it seems to have been going crazy. You know, blowing up and doing very well until it's regulated. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Seems, I, yeah. I assume there's going to be a very short window of opportunity there. Right. And if you're not already in it, then yeah, yeah. Not and I'm just it. not ready to go down that not rabbit hole. Not worth it. Yeah. No. Nope. Nope. Wow. So you said country girl or country gal. Uh, where are you from? Yukon. My husband God. and I both grew up in Yukon. Um, my parents were implants in the eighties, of course, mm-hmm. but his family goes back to the land run of Oklahoma. So that is home. Um, yeah. we met showing livestock in FFA and just, kind of carried on from there yeah i the more i'm learning about this the kind of ffa thing and like the whole 
country like upbringing. I had uh, Secretary Blaine Arthur on the podcast, and she was telling me all about it. And it, I mean, it's life when you it grow really up in the country, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, and the opportunities that come from it. She said it was yeah. it's fantastic. I grew up in town, so to speak. You know, of course, we had my mm-hmm. mom's from Western Oklahoma, so we have plenty of family that lives out in the country there that I spent time as a kid. And but when I say I lived in the city or in town, the beauty of growing yeah. up in Yukon back then was that it was split between city and country. So we had those core values that are so important. Yeah. But at the same time, we were so close to Oklahoma City. So the best of both worlds. Yeah, it's kind of perfect. So I yep. uh, grew up there, went to high school there, yep. UConn Millers, the Absolutely. whole football and cheerleading and all that kind of stuff. Well, not I wasn't a cheerleader. No. I played soccer and ran track. Okay. <laughs> and then, but um, that kind of period in life came when my parents said, you know, you're yeah. going to have to pick sports or livestock. And uh, yeah. livestock was where it was happening for me. Yeah. So, and thankfully for that, that led down the the you know, path to get my scholarships at college paid for. So. Okay. So where'd you go to college? Went to OSU. Yeah. Go Pokes. Naturally. Um, naturally. <laughs> um, and got a degree in horticulture. So mm-hmm. I had a landscape design company, um, not quite out of college at that point, and landscaped until I was seven months pregnant with our first child. Yeah. So, and at that point it was, okay, I'm not ready to work those kind of hours in the summer when I have a kiddo at home. So. That's not a business you see many females in. No, it's not. Right? It's a, and I had kind of a niche, you know, we really knew what crowd we wanted. It wasn't okay. the big cookie cutter crew that you see, you know, sure. 10 trucks and trailers rolling through town. Mowing yards in five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We really were pretty blessed with some word of mouth specialty clients in the mm-hmm. Edmund Nichols Hills area. Okay. Um, and it was a one woman show. Plus my husband, when he was in pharmacy school and a few of his buddies, yeah. I would take them to move dirt and rock for me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was definitely not going to happen long term with kiddos. So. That's, that's really cool. Cause when I like, I find myself, I, I try and walk every day for 45 minutes to an hour and, and I walk through my neighborhood and I see, uh, I, I was walking through my neighborhood and there was a woman out mowing a yard and and I'm looking down the street and I'm like, there's so many yards here that need to be mowed. Yeah. Like it, it's such a, an easy entry business, really right? It is. And then you think, and I, I have a friend of mine uh, uh, who, he's in the car scene, but he has a very big um business that you met, you know, like mm-hmm. his name's Andy Nelson, his landscaping business, yep. but he started doing mowing yards. And there's the total difference between mowing yards and the vision to building someone's front right. front and backyard yeah. with the flower. I, I don't have and that vision. And that's what a landscape architect does. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not go that route, mm-hmm. but I have a good friend of mine that did. Yeah. So we would send each other business quite often. You know, if somebody needed a waterfall or a retainer right. wall or something like that, I would mm-hmm. give him a call and send those clients his way. So did you find your like niche right in the middle of that? Yeah, pretty okay. much, pretty much. And, you know, really in the horticulture and landscaping world, there's certainly like lawn mowing crews. You don't sure. need a college degree behind that. But when you really get into the science behind the right place, light, mm-hmm. temperature, water, soil requirements, you need somebody that's a degreed professional if you want those trees to not be a problem 20 years down the road. Right. Um, that's something we're running into right now at our own home. We bought a home two years ago that was a year old, mm-hmm. and the city of Oklahoma City requires two trees per yard. Well, those lots are not made for two trees. Yeah, they not. planted two oak trees in our very small lot. Mm-hmm. And they're both probably another year from now going to be tearing up our driveway and our sidewalk. And yeah. so I'm ready to rip those out yeah. <laughs> and find my, a way around the HOA requirements and thank, all that good stuff. Thankfully, at the moment, my HOA is not, well, we're still building in my neighborhood, so it hasn't fully been taken over yeah, yet. Ours so, is like that too. And my, from the tree that they planted, I'm terrible at watering anything. Yeah. And flower beds, and I—I I mean, I would rather buy plastic flowers. Like it's gone. That's how bad I am. At Artificial this stuff. turf. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm terrible at it. And I was looking at the tree. I'm like, that tree—that tree doesn't look too good, right? So I mean, it's, it's holding up by obviously you know two stakes. And, yes. And I cut one of the the cords to one of the stakes, and the tree just kind of just fell over. <laughs> I'm like, oh. It was like a Charlie Brown tree. I know, because I, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a nightmare. I'm going to have to dig it out. It's dead. No. Like, the roots are still there, but the yeah. tree just kind of, like, fell from the grass, like, up. I'm it like, was rotting. This is, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So, we have one and a bush, I guess. I but, just say roll with it. And yeah. then, unless they make you plant yeah. another one, then I, I wouldn't mean, worry about it. Well, someone says to I me mean, that, like, you should get one because trees are expensive. They are. I didn't realize how expensive they were. I tell my husband, you know, the two trees that need to be pulled out of our yard, the easiest thing is to cut them at the ground and let, mm. you know, kill the roots with some chemical yeah. <laughs> but if you go the right the correct route and dig them up we could probably resell each one of those oaks for five or six hundred bucks yeah that's crazy you know? and they come so. in that giant machine which is the coolest looking machine right. ever the yeah. 
yeah. truck backs in and yeah. just picks the whole we'll tree We'll see up. what kind of mood I'm in come October. If <laughs> <laughs> I take the chainsaw to it or if we take the tractor to it. <laughs> Both are a lot of fun. Yes. Uh, so you go to OSU, you have a great time. Um, you know, you're there, you do your ag degree. Uh, you know, what? what is that experience like at OSU? Obviously, I assume it's a great time because Stillwater is awesome. Sure. Um, you know, but what was it like as you from a student? Well, and I actually kind of went the non-traditional route for the great thing about Oklahoma State with the horticulture program is here in Oklahoma City, we have a phenomenal program. Mm-hmm. So I actually did the core of my studies sure. for horticulture itself here at OSU OKC. And mm-hmm. so I was able to commute back and forth as needed for labs or whatever nice. else may have needed to take place. So I had a little bit different experience. Um but I also really wasn't the partier. You know, mm-hmm. in high school, I was the DD. <laughs> I went to the parties yeah. and I got to tell the stories the next day. <laughs> Which <laughs> but, is sometimes more fun right. than actually having a sore head. Yeah, but you know, I don't, I guess it's my God given path that mm-hmm. like I felt like I was born an entrepreneur, you know, yeah. at 13 um, or even younger, started selling beanie babies on the side when beanie babies were a cool thing. Yeah. And my dad was kind of like that. You know, he would go to pawn shops and find a pocket knife for 20 bucks that he knew was worth two or 300. Mm-hmm. And we'd go to the gun show and he'd resell it and make money. So I kind of learned those things from dad. So when I was in college, I didn't want that traditional retail job sure. because I'd it's really hard to fit me in a box. Like I don't do the nine to five very Mm -hmm. easily. It's just my personality and and all that good stuff. So college commuting back and forth and kind of allowed me to start my landscaping company while I was in college. And had I stayed in Stillwater, like a traditional student, I wouldn't have really been able to do that as much. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's really cool. And probably a little before it's time. I mean, a little before it's time. I mean, before it was kind of cool to be like an entrepreneur and have your own business because now it's like, that's what everyone wants to do. Right. Now there are a million books and podcasts to Mm -hmm. tell you what to do and how to do it. There weren't then. And everyone's got entrepreneur in their Instagram bio bio and all the rest of it. Absolutely. (laughs) Someone, someone said to me, someone asked me the other day, I was on somebody's podcast, um, Jake Keys is his name. Is it? He owns Skydance Brewing. Okay. Um, awesome, awesome company, and he's doing awesome things. But he has a podcast called Brewed with Hustle. Um, and he said to me, "It's like you're an entrepreneur." I'm like, I don't, I just, I, I don't, yeah. I don't like it. I don't it. want that stigma. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I guess I said to him, I guess by the definition, I am because I don't work nine to five. But I don't know. I just kind of like. I, just I think like, that's part of know. our generation too. Yeah. You know, we we don't do well being put in a box. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's why so many people in our generation only stay in an, a job on average of two to three years right now. Right. You know, they're ready yeah. to move on where they can multitask and use their talents. And yeah. So this this business you start, it's you know, it's growing, it's going well. Your husband's in pharmacy school, um, and I guess he graduates and. He what graduated in 2010. Mm-hmm. Our daughter was five days old when he graduated, um, which was not in our plan. <laughs> our goal was wait five years to have kids. But, you know, God's got bigger plans oh, always. Yeah. Um, so we moved um, from Yukon to southern Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He worked for a corporate chain that was very short-lived because that was not the medicine he wanted to practice. Sure. He wanted to focus on patient care. So an opportunity fell on our laps to move up to northeastern Oklahoma three months later. So we moved mm-hmm. two and a half hours south and then another two and a half hours northeast three months later with the baby in tow um, for a partnership opportunity awesome. and a pharmacy up there. So yeah. we stayed there for eight years. You know, our kids still call that home, yeah. which is tough. I mean, I, we love the community. It, it still there, has a yeah. piece of our hearts, um, but Yukon is our home. Yeah. So we've been back now for two years. And where where was that up in northeast? Fort Gibson. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they very there, historical town. Time. Some yeah. cool stuff there. I mean, when we moved up there, so many friends here were like, "Where is that? I've no, is that in Arkansas?" And I was like, yeah. "No, it's between Muskogee and Tahlequah." But just the Civil War and even pre-Civil War mm-hmm. history in that town, the National Cemetery and the fort is just yeah. amazing. Yeah. So you grew up there. Had I mean, had a great time there. The kids grew up there, and and then. I guess you moved back to Oklahoma City and everything's changed. We did. Um, so our candy business started by accident in sure. our home in Fort Gibson um, and then kind of threw us into the commercial world with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of grew to that point that we knew when it was time for the brick and mortar location, we wanted it to be either in our hometown where our history and our roots yeah. are or close to. So that's mm-hmm. what brought us back two years ago. Yeah. Um, so, so the candy business... 
you said it started kind of by accident. Is that because yeah. you just naturally ha- always need something on the side that's entrepreneurial? Yeah. Like I said, dad always had some ideas and would, fl- yeah. would flip things and stuff. I'm not one that can just sit and watch TV in yeah. the evenings. You know, I'm uh, crocheting or reading a book uh-huh. while I'm watching TV. So my dad passed away on a kind of unexpectedly uh-huh. almost 10 years ago. And, um, He'd been gone for about a year or so, and Christmas was rolling around. And I, mm. I'm a foodie. My dad was a foodie. Uh, that whole side of our family just, I yeah. mean, we're not afraid to experiment in the kitchen. So I really just wanted to make something that I could give to friends and family for Christmas in sure. his memory. Um, and it was really hard to decide what to do because I also don't, I have a really hard time doing anything normal. Like, <laughs> I don't fit into the the trends yeah. and the following. I've You're never just been go a fo- bake cookies. Yeah, I'm yeah. just not gonna go make cookies or brownies or whatever it may be. So, um, I don't remember even what really sparked the thought, other mm-hmm. than it hit me when at some point that Dad loved caramel. You know, he was always eating any form of toffee Uh or caramel there was. And so I started the research on how to make caramel and there's a science behind that. And maybe it's my creative side or my ADD, Mm -hmm. but I had never had anything fail in the kitchen as bad as caramel failed at first. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where my husband with a chemistry background kind of came into play. (laughs) He's like, no, you do have to measure that by weight. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm the cook in the kitchen that doesn't measure anything. And, you know, pulls her two cloves of garlic and I had six because we love garlic. Yeah. Um, so candy making it is very much a science. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a lot of very failed batches that were not edible. Yeah. Um, and finally got to that point where we found what worked, you know, and that was our salted whiskey caramel. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, of course, we were making them at home um, with very raw ingredients. And just the process alone and the packaging mm-hmm. alone didn't allow for a very long shelf life. But as we gave those to friends and family within the next couple of months, they were asking to buy some from me, which kind of took me by surprise. I did not mean for it to turn into a business. Um, So at that point, I was making caramel almost every night in our home kitchen under the Oklahoma Cottage Baker's Law. (laughs) But we had hit that threshold of being allowed to make candy Mm. in our home kitchen within, I guess it was about eight or nine months. And I was like, I know nothing about food manufacturing. I know a lot about how to operate a business and mm-hmm. marketing, but had no idea what went into food manufacturing. So down that rabbit hole we went. Um, and maybe it's the entrepreneur side that I always love to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but there really wasn't a lot of information out there. Sure. Even within the state health department with our manufacturing license, some of it's a gray area. You're reading the manuals and mm-hmm. then you have to call the inspector and they're like, well, I'm not sure. And, it, you know, yeah. it's it's tricky. And so anyway, we got lucky and found a, an incubator program in Tulsa called Kitchen 66. And we participated in their fall mm-hmm. launch program. And that is what kind of helped That's us. That's really cool clear the muddy water if you will of that world um so and here we are that's a really yeah that's so good that there's there's opportunities and places like that incubator right because i know oklahoma city has has one or two uh one that comes to mind is the one stitch crew with erica and chris lucas Mm -hmm. they do a great job uh and i've had many businesses through that and then obviously like i said it's it's just giving people an opportunity and direction and access to the right people and the right equipment. Right. right? Well, and the equipment is the, I mean, and Mm -hmm. people don't often understand how hard it is to make a business survive in the food industry. Um, We're a little different because we're not a traditional restaurant. So we don't have the mass overhead of food sitting in a cooler and all the extra staff. Yeah. But the margins are still narrow. Mm -hmm. And when you start looking at equipment, vent hoods and stoves and wash sinks and all of that, I mean, it's easy to dump 50,000, 60,000 into equipment, Mm -hmm. not considering everything else you need. So that incubator really helped us. We were able to pay by the hour for use of their kitchen. Um, It was an hour drive each way for me. So from Fort Gibson to Tulsa at that point. So um, it became a point within a few months that we were looking at numbers and I was like, okay, this is not a forever route to rent their Mm -hmm. kitchen. It was a great opportunity as a launching pad. We would have never been able to grow for cash flow, paying what we were paying. So then we were able to walk into a shared kitchen space in Fort Gibson with some friends of ours that Mm -hmm. owned a coffee roastery. Um, I don't know what it is about coffee shops, so they kind of just naturally stick to me. (laughs) (laughs) But um, And then as as we really got to the point that we outgrew that space, it was, okay, what do we do? Do we Mm -hmm. look for a space here? 
or do we go home? You know, yeah. and and that was a hard, you know, leap of faith. But it was time to come home. Yeah, that's really cool. And and at this time, you mentioned kids, so you'd have a second by yes, this point. Yes, we have a son that's okay. uh, twenty three months younger than our daughter. Yeah. Again, not planned. not planned. God had bigger plans. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was a ten pound baby. So, yeah. which you know, our family, we both have big families. So it's like, okay, when do you have another? Nope, I'm not chancing ten pounds again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Our first one was uh, six pounds. He was ten. So yeah. the joke is, he was a twin, and he ate his twin because <laughs> twins run in our family. So yeah. So the next one could yeah. definitely be a twin. Yeah, so that's I'm not, why not chancing genetics. It. My husband was a ten pound baby, yeah. and our daughter weighed what I did at birth. So yeah. genetics come into play with our kids, and I'm not chancing that again. <laughs> yeah. No thanks. That's, no. <laughs> it was yeah. not fun. I no. love. Him. He was worth it, but not fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure it's great having them both so close together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To so a degree. It, yeah. Unless they're fighting. True. Yeah. You just kind of get it out the way. And it's like, oh, it's okay. Brother you know. and sister thing, though, you know. Yeah. There's there's five years between me and my younger brother. And we grew up totally different. Yeah. You know, the things that, like, he grew up doing. And, and I mean, I grew up playing outside and he grew up playing on his PlayStation. Exactly. Um, my husband's 13 years younger than his next oh, oldest yeah. sibling. So he has uh, three older sisters and an older brother. And his oldest sister's two years younger than my mom. So <laughs> it's a very fun dynamic. Yeah. Um, we've got nine nieces and nephews that are 29 at this point, 28, yeah. 29 to almost 16. And then you drop down to R2. So yeah. it was fun. We got to be aunt and uncle, the fun aunt and uncle before aunt we aunt had uncle. kids. Yeah. And now they have fun with our kids. So it's an awesome family dynamic. That's but, really cool. you know, Justin kind of grew up as an only child in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know. So there's always somebody around to look after the kids. Yeah. Then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that and was another perk of coming, coming home. home. Yeah. yeah. My mom's home. His parents and siblings are here. And mm-hmm. it's just home. There's yeah. no place like it. So kind of stumbling into dad loving caramel, caramel, and then you just thinking, okay, I'm going to make toffee uh, and anything with that. Um, so what, I guess, what what, de- what definition of the business would be today? If someone asks you, what do you do? What, what's the definition? I just say we're an artisan candy company. Okay. Um, even though caramels were kind of the foundation that got us started, mm-hmm. and we now have four flavors of them with one f- toffee. Yeah. The reason why we've kind of stayed in that avenue right now is honestly shelf life. Okay. Part of when we get to that point of having a brick and mortar location, we're going to be adding a lot of other candy products sure. that have already been tested and are in the works. Mm-hmm. But when you're a local food company that doesn't have a brick and mortar, Mm -hmm. you have to keep in mind those shelf lives. And we want all of our products to be fresh for all of our customers when they receive them. So more often than not, a customer orders from our website and, you know, either we've just made what they've ordered or Mm -hmm. we're about to and they're getting something fresh. Our caramels have a 16 week shelf life. Mm -hmm. Um, So if they're buying that as a gift, we want the the recipient to be able to, you know, enjoy and savor each piece um, in an all honesty most of the time they eat the box all in one yeah, sitting I was say, mo- <laughs> but so if i get a box of chocolates it's gone isn't yeah it, it doesn't yeah. last or a box of caramels it's, it doesn't last, last very christmas long. i had a gal from california we we've shipped to at this point i think it's like 46 states i'd have to look back at the oh, map wow. in my office but she is in california didn't know her i don't know how she mm-hmm. found us probably should ask that but anyway um she ordered caramels to give as gifts and a couple weeks later she sends an email and says so I ordered all of those for gifts but I ended up eating all of them by myself how quick can I get more and you know it's emails like that that make my day because it's validation for our product first and foremost but then I started thinking man we all talk about our expensive coffee shop habits Mm -hmm. That many caramels, that's an expensive habit to have, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but I love that people are that addicted to it. So we were able to immediately ship some back out to her, thankfully. Yeah. But. And I, I, I'm sure that like the price point of the caramels here compared to the price points in California, she's like, oh, no big deal. I'll just right. order some more, which is even better for you right. guys. Well, and there are other artisan caramel companies out there, mm-hmm. but I'm totally biased, of course. Of course. I've tried some of our competitors. Ours are totally different. Yeah. Well, you the have texture, to do that to the flavor, too. it's part of the process. Yeah. Things are cooked very small batch with us. They're not thrown in a large copper kettle yeah. or in a large, you know, savage fire mixer. Now, I'm not saying that we might, you know, eventually grow to that point. We have to go that route. Mm-hmm. But right now it is 
a chef in the kitchen with yeah. one pot at a time, and it, every little ounce of love goes into those. We also hand cut and hand wrap each caramel, so we yeah. don't have a massive wrapping machine, um, and we shouldn't even talk price on those. It'll make someone throw <laughs> up if they know how much even a used wrapping machine is. But yeah. um, you know, it, it's we have different product. Mm-hmm. You know, we're pretty proud of it for yeah. sure. So it's, I mean, you come home. And you're just like slowly growing this. Uh, and, you know, you said you it's commercially, for the most part, you focus on commercial on commercial gifts. Yep. Um, Christmas stuff and right. employee appreciation and stuff like that. Right. Uh, we, I mean, how, tell, you know, tell me what happens when you come home and how, like, who, you, who was the first client you had when you came home? Honestly, um, a lot of our local friends and family, people we grew up with, you know, we're happy to always offer local delivery to the metro area. And Mm -hmm. that's something that's helped us survive through the COVID era right now. You know, we have some wholesale accounts, but like for boutiques and things. Sure. But I worked high-end retail management part-time in college. And that industry, even in good times, is very hard. Mm -hmm. So I knew when we took this commercial that I needed to be able to sell direct-to-consumer or in bulk that most benefited our margins to yeah. allow us to grow to that next step. And I knew that traditional wholesale would not be that route. So mm-hmm. we do have some partners that are wholesale, that their values meet with ours. They have the foot traffic. The last thing I want is for a wholesale client, a small mom and pop boutique in a small town, right. to buy into our perishable food product and then end up having to throw some away oh, if they don't have themselves. the right food yeah. trap. You know, and and I don't want as a small business owner, I know that that's very risky. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that we don't want to go wholesale. It's that we don't want our products to cause another business to lose money. Sure. We're confident in the sales of our products, but demographically if they don't have the right foot traffic, it's not always yeah. the best route. So um corporate gifting is something that we really specialize in. Mm-hmm. Um, margins are great for us and it's a unique enough product that when a corporate client gifts that to a client, it stands out in their mind and they're thrilled. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a logo t-shirt that they're not going to wear or yet another ink pen or, I mean, those things have their place. Don't get me wrong, but but it's the same as every other. When you really need to show your appreciation, you need to give a gift that looks like you Mm -hmm. care. Right. And so. it's added and, and it's special because it's made here. Right. right? It's like handmade. That carries so much weight. Yeah. yeah. And we, we do have corporate gifting clients nationwide, mm-hmm. but those that are here in the state, I mean, they're very loyal to us. We've yeah. got large, um, you know, construction companies or oil and gas companies that have used us for years over um, and, and then referred us. And what's great about that industry then is they're gifting often to their B2B clients. Mm-hmm. And so some of those clients have then emailed us right away and, oh my gosh, this is so good. Yeah. Can you touch base with us next year? We want to use you. Um, and, and I'm talking that in holiday terms. You know, sure. naturally people think corporate gifting and they think holidays. From a marketing perspective, where my minor comes from, I'm thinking monthly Christmas, touches here. And well, there. monthly touches yeah. at various price points. It could be a five dollar gift or twenty five dollar yeah. gift. But if you're giving an executive or a C suite, mm-hmm. you know, exec a gift at Christmas that's going to end up in a pile with a ton of other gifts that they're getting. And I know this from asking friends in those positions, more often than not, they let their assistants and their staff come in and Mm -hmm. take from this gift pile. So then that card might not ever get read. That product might not have ever gotten opened by the intended person. So Mm -hmm. if you really want to stand out in their mind, you need to think about those off times of the year or the random, just because we're thinking of you type of gift. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those go a long way. They really do. They really do uh what was it like i guess coming back to oklahoma city after being away for so long crazy you know we would come home like one or two weekends a month for birthday parties or weddings or whatever Mm -hmm. but when we were home on those weekends it was okay he worked till noon on a friday if it was during the school year we might not have you know been Mm -hmm. able to get on the road from tulsa area until like four or five so we get to yukon it's dark the next day, we've got whatever family function. Mm. Sunday was always dinner at mom and father-in-law's on the farm. And then we're back on the road. Yeah. So we never really got to explore what was new in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, when we left, Automobile Alley was just being developed. And now it's exploded. So mm-hmm. it's um, crazy. I love it. I mean, yeah. it's so cool to not only drive. I, I'm a history person 
I love that so many of these old buildings are getting mm. revitalized. Um, I would love for us to be able to find a piece of history that we could invest in with our company. Yeah. Well, and Yukon's gone, I mean, doubled, I guess, in size, right? Probably more than that. Yeah, it really has. Uh, we joke, it's almost like Edmund with traffic. Um, <laughs> we live on the east side of town. My in-laws farm is on the west side of town okay. and it's five miles but it takes almost 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little ridiculous, you know, and back in the day, back in the, yeah. <laughs> we could hit 10th street straight over and would have been there in less than 10 minutes, you yeah. know, but it's, it, I love it though. You know, there are implants that I, I feel like don't know the history mm-hmm. in Yukon, um, whether it be part of what express ranch has done yeah. or the centennial farms around town, you know, the, and unfortunately, as the town's grown, so many of our family friends mm-hmm. that have had Centennial Farms have been forced to sell for commercial reasons. Yeah. So part of me is like that sentimental person, that history person. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I hope we can hold on to what our family has. Because, you yeah. know, my husband's great-grandpa came here in the land run with quite the story. He was German. And I I want my kids to be able to experience that. I want yeah. the, my nieces and nephews children to be able to experience that but i also know reality sets in someday and it is what it is yeah yeah i mean you don't you want him to run along run around on the same land and have those same experiences right you don't want him to drive into a parking lot and be like hey this is where granite's house used to be and even even the home place where my mother-in-law and father-in-law's farm the main farm that was homestead land run it's now surrounded by neighborhoods over the years pieces of that original ownership has been sold we used to be able to go behind the shop and shoot our guns, yeah. you know, into the round bales or whatever. We can't do that anymore, you yeah. know? <laughs> so it's one of those things already that I hate that my kids didn't get to experience was sure. target practice at grandma and grandpa's, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and of course, that's the yeah. country girl in me because, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> back when I was in high school, it was not a big deal for us to have our shotguns in the back of our vehicles right. to head to the field to turkey hunt or dove hunt after school. Yeah. So <laughs> you can't do that now. You'll go to jail if you should. <laughs> <laughs> school with a shotgun in the back of your car. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so, it's totally different. And time. I say it's back in the day. I mean, golly, it really wasn't, it wasn't that, that long, long ago, ago you yeah. know. Um, it, it, all the places we had to hunt in town are no longer there. Yeah. It's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, so back to the back to the candy. Um, you know, you said you have a ton of other products that are just ready to go. Yep. I mean, what's it like? I know you're a foodie. What's it like just experimenting and just thinking, oh, I found another one? Right now, I'm struggling with not enough time to experiment. Sure. My wheels never shut down. And inspiration comes from so many places. Mm -hmm. It could come from a savory meal, which honestly, our newest flavor kind of spurred from that with browned butter. Um, It's tough to have the time to experiment. And then to see... like. Part of me, because I love history so much, I want to take these old flavors and these mm-hmm. old candies and bring them back to life. Because some of the companies out there that have done that somewhat have made it too commercial. Okay. And it's really not what it was. So it's what can we do that are as close to the old methods of making those things mm-hmm. to bring that piece of nostalgia back. You know, to when we have a brick and mortar, I want you to walk through those doors and almost pause in time and... and make it feel like it was the 1920s or 1930s of creaking old wood floors and the old antique cabinets and, you know, almost like Willy Wonka style, Oh yeah, you know, walking in and and the employee gets your candy from a jar or makes that experience unique. Having that smell hit you. Yeah. I want grandparents to bring their grandkids in and have that memory, a taste of their childhood. Have you been to, um, Dorwart Boots in Guthrie? I have not. That is, I mean, Raymond has been on the podcast and his building reminded me of that. It's been the same for 30 years, yeah, 40 years maybe. Yeah, just the smell of old buildings. Oh, it's I an love amazing it. spot. It's like cracking an old book open. Yeah, um, nothing. We- I think he has electricity, I think, 10 feet into the building and everything yeah. after that. It's like on extension cords. Nice. Um, but that would be, I mean, if we can go three next, go in, and anybody listening, just walk in, say hello, see the dog, uh, and yep. he's just in there making making cowboy boots. Well, and so talking about history, as we after we had already moved back mm-hmm. and we started down this rabbit hole of a build out, my oldest sister in law was like, you know, I think I remember at this point my father in law had passed away, so I couldn't verify with him, um, but his twin brother is kind of the family historians. Mm-hmm. But my sister in law was like, 
I think I remember dad telling me one time about Uncle Andrew owning part of a candy shop in Yukon. And I was like, what? How have I never? Yeah. At this point, I'd been making candy for five years. Like, hello, <laughs> you know, thanks. Yeah. So anyway, I called Uncle Don um, and I was like, OK, Lisa seems to think that Uncle Andrew, who, of course, my husband never even met because this was so, his grandpa's yeah. you know, sibling at that point. And so, no, great grandpa's. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Anyway, long story short, Uncle Andrew owned part of Palace Confectionery, downtown Yukon. Now, I've searched and searched the Oklahoma Historical Society, and I can't find a lot of information about it other than it was short-lived, maybe just a couple years open. It's now um, a clothing boutique, so the building is still there. It's on the north side of Main Street. Uh, Betsy's Boutique, I believe, is the name Mm -hmm. of it. But from the pictures that Uncle Don had, and he went and made me copies, which are on our one of them's on our website. Yeah. You can see our Uncle Andrew um, on the far right, and then Ralph Lawson was his business partner on the far left. Ralph ended up marrying into the family at some point okay. after the candy shop had sold to someone else. But just to see the old Coca Cola like old soda jerk pulls oh, yeah. in the picture, I'm like, oh my gosh, how cool would that be? That's what you see when you want to build. Yeah, out. like to re-experience what Uncle Andrew created, or yeah. you know, I, again, we don't know the whole story. You know, right. time's gone. This was the early 1900s, but that building is still there. So yeah. the the flip side to the old buildings is we have to have a vent hood, we have to have gas run. So right. realistically, probably not going to ever happen for us to move into an old historical building. Mm-hmm. But if we can recreate that ambiance inside of a newer building, that's right. going to be what we're going to shoot for. Which is for. much easier to do in a Absolutely. modern building. Absolutely. Reality sets in, you know? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. When you see, like I said, when you see those prices, you're like, yeah, we'll just, we'll just build our own. Right. Well, exactly. and you don't have to deal with historical code and having to maintain Absolutely. it. Because that's another minefield. Now, if we had it? a spot that was already had those things done, yeah, yeah we would jump on it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so I guess that's the next kind of like in the business plan, that's next step, right? It is. So we came back with the intention of having a storefront open within mm-hmm. a year for a couple different reasons that ended up not happening. It was a very hard pill to swallow, mm-hmm. but we just had to take a step back and reevaluate um what that plan was. That being said, we're back to operating behind the scenes like we mm-hmm. have done since the beginning. Um, but we constantly get messages on Facebook every week or yeah. emails asking where our storefront is. You know, people that have heard about us that haven't really realized that we don't have a storefront mm-hmm. yet. I feel like I'm letting people down, honestly, when we yeah. get those messages. I, I want the experience. This isn't even about money. Right. This is about having the experience a and having a home yeah. and you know, when you go to different cities and airports and you want to take a souvenir home, mm-hmm. something from that state, which is getting harder and harder to do no matter the state you go to. I want people to be able to take a box of our candy yeah. home from a visit to Oklahoma City. I mean, Yukon's Route 66, mm-hmm. where, and it may not even be in Yukon at this point, but um, I want to make our state proud yeah. to feel like they have that gift item, a, a piece of history that they can take home. Yeah, that's the great thing about being a part of the Made in Oklahoma program. Right. Yep. Um, and just, you know, and I, and I had uh, DJ Bowles on the podcast who has Oklahoma Gourmet Popcorn. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me that, like, people send his stuff to all over the country oh, yeah. but just because it's made here. Yep. Uh, and and I, I never really thought about that until, obviously, my parents live back in Wales and, and my, my in-laws were like, yeah, we want to send mum and dad something. Mm-hmm. I want it to be made here. And it's then hard. it clicked. And I was yeah. like, oh. Okay, let's let's go see what we can find, right? right. And 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 if there wasn't, a, a, you know, the Made in Oklahoma program, you wouldn't know, or you'd have right. to go to a farmers market, or you'd have to ask around. And a lot of people, sadly, don't want to take the time to find those. They'll right. just go to something and go to a big store, go to Amazon. Oh, this this looks fine. It's got an Oklahoma yeah. flag on it. We'll send yeah. that. Well, and even as many awesome Made in Oklahoma companies that have mm-hmm. been around for a long time. It's not always the thing you really want to gift, right. you know, I mean, unless you're putting together a very practical gift basket, yeah. which is not always a bad idea, mm-hmm. but sometimes we just that want that small something yeah. that serves its purpose, you yeah. know, and that's hard to find. And there's like nothing better than having like candy, like right. tasting it. Yeah. Who right? doesn't like sugar? Exactly. <laughs> like, and it's, we I think so everybody likes go, caramel. Can you make that keto? And it's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, we have tried with some sugar alternative products to make a sugar free version of like our toffee. Yeah. It just, uh, just like chemically, it. those things just don't boil like yeah. sugar does. 
Yeah, it's so not. Um, I, I would rather not have that option than have that option that's not that great. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, occasionally people ask what nutrition facts. Of course, we have them available. Mm-hmm. Um, according to FDA standards, we don't have to put them on the packaging because of the size of our company. But my mentality is always, if you need to ask, you probably shouldn't eat one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, our candy is real butter and real sugar. Yeah. And I think that's part of what makes our caramel so different mm-hmm. is most mass produced caramel has 90% corn syrup, which is why it's flavorless. Ours is 90% sugar, you know, Um, and as many Oklahoma sourced ingredients as we try to use, obviously we don't grow sugar cane here in Mm -hmm. state. Um, But we want you to have the real deal in your mouth, not a bunch of artificially processed things. When I, when I come back from, from Wales or my parents come over, they always bring candy, mm-hmm. always, because it's like I said, it's made with yep. the right ingredients. It's exactly. not made, you know, like, and people tell me, you know, like, oh, it's not, you know, Hershey's is good. I'm like, mm, Hershey's tastes like I'm chewing on a plastic it piece does. of You're pipe right. You're to right. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm like, go and buy something that's like either made here, handmade Bean by someone, bar. Yeah. or go and like get something, for, you know, pay on Amazon and get it from a, from out of country because it's, it's a night and day difference. It really is. It's it's so um, good. People often ask why I don't do chocolate. That's my weakness. That's what, good yeah. chocolate is straight up my weakness. Mm-hmm. I would be 600 pounds <laughs> if we did anything with chocolate. Yeah. But we are in process of a collaboration with a local bean to bar right. company to have chocolate covered caramels yeah. because our customers have asked for that. Now, if it's going to be a limited edition or a regular line, I don't know. Right. But we're going to test it soon. Yeah. You know, as soon as it's cool enough to start shipping those, we'll have them ready for mm-hmm. everyone to taste. And it's going to be real chocolate. Yeah. Uh, going down, I guess, one thing I think that, and I've kind of seen, is a lot of companies who they just have a passion for either cooking or passion for something they're very good at it, but they're not very business driven. Right? Sure. They don't have yeah. the marketing background that you have. They don't have the, you know, they, they haven't ran a business before. They've always yep. worked nine to five and they're quitting their job because their passion is like starting to make money. Right. What has it been like for you? And I mean, the benefit of you obviously having a marketing degree and working in this industry and retail and stuff like that, you know, that's definitely helped you go forward right. and get your corporate clients and sales stuff. I mean, what, what would you say to, to anyone who just has, uh, that's in that position, they, they have their passion, it's making money, but they just don't have the, the business knowledge to really excel and put and take it to the next level. Yeah. Find a mentor. Yeah. Um, never stop learning. I mean, there are so mm-hmm. many awesome podcasts out there that can help in just about any area that you need for your business. And even though I have some of those either learned or natural experiences mm-hmm. to run our business, I'm, I mean, while I'm in the kitchen for 12 hours a day making candy, my earbuds are in and I'm listening to podcasts. Yeah. I mean, you have to continuously learn. And if you don't know something, the only way you're going to learn is by asking for help. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst thing someone can do is tell you no. So if there's someone you admire out there, reach out to them and just say, yeah. hey, can I have an hour of your time? I'll treat you to lunch. I would like to pick your brain, you know, and if they're not the right fit, they're not the right fit. Yeah. But What podcast do you listen to? Oh, my gosh. I love um, Gary Vee, of course, mm-hmm. for the dose of reality. And uh, I, I'm not afraid that he's or I'm loving that he's not afraid to be himself, you yeah. know, dropping the F-bomb and things like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm pretty conservative when it comes to business, but um, I'm a country girl. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, his right. bluntness kind of aligns with my bluntness at times. I'm an open book and I mm-hmm. love that he just, you know, when people call in and ask questions, he's honest. And most of the time it's pull your head out of your rear yeah. <laughs> type yeah. of response. So I love Gary Vee. Um, Donald Miller with Story Brand Podcast. Mm-hmm. Mike Michalowicz with Profit First um, or Elevating Entrepreneurship. I think he's recently renamed it. We switched, you know, numbers are not always my strong suit. Mm-hmm. That's my husband's math and science brain that comes into play. So for me, even though I'm capable of more than capable of market analysis and costing things out, following Mike Michalowicz's profit first has really helped me navigate because my husband has a career. Yeah. So I can do the books with our CPA on my own by knowing, okay, I only have X in our marketing budget this month. What can I get the max ROI out of a hundred bucks? I mean, we're a small business, you know, a hundred dollars doesn't go very far. Right. So there are podcasts like that, you know, um, Mm -hmm. Dave Ramsey's got, um, 
the some business ones. I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but Chrissy Wright is mm-hmm. an offshoot of his. And so there's some really good clean ones out there that really give you true mm-hmm. experience and knowledge. Yeah. Um, and down to, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, the So the candy stuff, oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, social media can be huge for small business because yep. it's free. Yep. Um, for a while, kind of. Well, unless, yeah. you, you know, unless you're paying someone <laughs> to do free. it. free. <laughs> um, or paying someone to do it all. Right. I mean, obviously, I, and if you listen to Gary Vee, you know that social media marketing is the yeah. place to go. It really is, yeah. Uh, how's that been for you, social media-wise? Do you have social media presence? Absolutely. Um, I don't want to say it's been how we've gotten where we are today, mm-hmm. but without it, it would have been very difficult since yeah. we don't have a brick and mortar. Um Paid ads are a whole nother ball game. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, you have if you don't know what you're doing, don't do paid ads. Don't boost Definitely. your posts. Don't do that. You can waste a lot of money. And that's kind of where some of that learning and listening mm-hmm. to podcasts, social media marketing podcasts and things like that can come from. On learning how to kind of, um, I don't want to say beat the algorithm because no one's going to beat the algorithm, no. but learn how to play the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we struggle with a lot of times is getting the organic Google reach you yeah. know, I'm constantly learning about SEO because we're not big enough that I can hire a company to handle our SEO for us. Yeah. So sometimes it's, okay, let's, I heard this on this podcast or read it in a book. Let's change this on the back end coding of our website for 90 days and mm-hmm. see what it does. And if it doesn't work, we change it again, you yeah. know, which I know changing SEO all the time is not good. It takes time for things to grab those chunks from your website, but, um, it's really difficult as a Mm -hmm. small business. You know, we honestly rely on word of mouth. That is our best marketing. So as long as we're treating our customers right and going above and beyond and the quality of our product, you know, stays where it's at or surpasses Mm -hmm. where it's at, then we're good with word of mouth for the most part. Yeah. And I think as long as the one thing with social media is just the time it takes to do it, yeah. right? Yeah. And if you're consistently and doing very it, very time consuming. Yeah. yeah. And if you're consistently doing it, and if you're consistently aware that you, when you're making something, you grab your phone, and like, oh, okay, let me show this process because this is right. how I'm doing it. Yeah. But you know, showing the process and just bringing people in, yeah, goes a long way, doesn't it? Really it really does. Well, and to know your niche, you know, yeah. if your target demographic is not the age that's on Twitter right. or Instagram or Snapchat or mm-hmm. whatever the new, then don't do it. Yeah. You know, for us this last year I've made LinkedIn Mm -hmm. my target to rebuild my LinkedIn network because right at the end of college, it was kind of the thing and then it died Mm -hmm. and now it's kind of resurging. So we're getting some organic traffic and reconnecting with people there because we do corporate gifting. Um, I know Facebook is probably still our best social media marketing tool, Mm -hmm. but that demographic that falls within our, you know, avatar, if you will, is slowly gravitating all to Instagram. Mm -hmm. So, but we also know that what works on Instagram doesn't necessarily work on Facebook and vice versa. So it's tricky, you know, and I I don't ever want to say if it overwhelms you, turn it over to somebody. I have seen so many small businesses almost do themselves a disservice by hiring Mm -hmm. companies that don't really take the time to get to know their business. Um, it will kill your it's social media forever. Yeah. I mean, it, these generic share a blog article from MSNBC on yeah. a medical services website does not help your Facebook mm-hmm. page. There's no you personality know, behind You're it. almost better off hiring somebody in-house mm-hmm. for that role, even on a 10-hour-a-week basis, yeah. to create content, take pictures of your staff working, do the Facebook lives, whatever it is, then hire an outside company. 100%. And and don't get me wrong, there are outside companies that are phenomenal at what they do. But for one of those, there's 20 that really don't yeah. take the time to get to know your company. And they're very expensive. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah. Well, I mean, this, I'm like, can't wait to eat some chocolate, uh, <laughs> eat some caramel because it's, yeah, and I, my <laughs> wife loves caramel as well. So she's definitely going to have to try some. Um where can everyone follow you? Where can everyone get involved and reach out? Sure. Uh, Facebook or Instagram, Molly Coddled Hashlinger. Um, LinkedIn, my personal page, Melissa Wedman. We have a business page too, but of mm. course, LinkedIn business pages are a little tricky. Yeah. Um, but yeah, or you can shop on our website. There are a couple of locations across the Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City Metro that carry our candy. But any of those retail locations are listed on our website as well in the Where to Find Us tab. Awesome. So. Well, good. Uh, Melissa, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see the growth excited to see when you do build out that new space and i can't wait to step in and and have that caramel smell hit me 
uh, and just to see you know, smiling faces yeah. and, and just, yeah, and just see, you know, you, you're absolutely crushing it. So I uh, really appreciate your time and everyone, thanks for listening. I'll post all the links down below in the description. You can go click all the social medias and go follow. I'm going to, again, going to say this right, <laughs> Molly Cuddle Hashlinger on all social media platforms and check the website out. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast is made possible by the Made in Oklahoma program. Created for Oklahoma's entrepreneurs, their free-to-join program focuses on economic growth and development for the small businesses who grow, process, or manufacture a good within Oklahoma. Retail stores who sell Made in Oklahoma products can also benefit from their program. Above all, they encourage you to support and shop local wherever possible. Find them on Facebook and visit their website at www.madeinoklahoma.net to learn more. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.